Welcome. You're listening to The Sacristy, a podcast where we seek to learn, discuss, and exalt in the faith delivered once for all to the saints, as it has been passed down in the Anglican tradition. I'm Father David Bumstead, the rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida, and I'm joined by my unrivaled co-host, Father Matthew Ainsley, the prospective vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church in Horizon West, Florida, a church plant beginning services, Lord willing, this fall. We are real priests with real jobs and real churches. Service times are in our bio. We'd love for you to join us for worship if you're ever in town with us. Thanks for joining us for what we're calling a... Minisode or lesser Lesser feast? feast? Yeah. (laughs) We Uh, just now decided what we were calling it. (laughs) Yeah, right here on the spot. (laughs) What are we going to do today, Father Matt? Well, we're trying to get to the point where we have a full episode every single week. But until we get there, we may not ever get, probably we'll never get there. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. But what we want to do for consistency's sake, because the Christian year is so important to us as Christians, as priests, and to this podcast, we talk about the Christian year, we do the sermon first pass of the lessons. We really want to have that sermon first pass out there. That is, you know, just our reflections on the upcoming lections. We want to have that out every week. And so we're going to do a little sermon pass, a mini-sode. A little mini-sode, a little sermon first pass uh, for the week. But I thought we'd start by uh, actually just talking about some feedback we got from a friend uh, who was listening to the podcast. Oh, cool. Um, He said to us, uh, great podcast, guys. Thanks for the offering. He really appreciated how the other day we said, by the grace of God, let us not mitigate the word of God, but that we probably will. And he thinks that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And he's probably right, but I feel bad for saying it. In any case, uh, he goes on to say, uh, I actually asked him how he was doing. He's one of our friends from around Orlando. Um, He shall remain nameless. He shall remain nameless because I didn't ask if I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he says, uh, I'm doing well, man. Back in full ministry swing uh, since uh, the school school year has started. He says, and this is what uh, made it into the, why this makes it into the podcast uh, this week. He became a cat person against his will, but people change. Now, that was funny to me. And so I responded when I read that, I first thought is that you had been captured and turned into a human cat hybrid. (laughs) People do indeed change, I thought. But now, in hindsight, I recognize that you mean that you have a cat now. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, our dear friend responds, he actually one-upped my my, uh, silliness by saying, he had his teeth sharpened and now has a full body leopard tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh man, I love that guy there's so a, much. There's a cat man somewhere. Somewhere out there. Roaming around yeah, roaming downtown down. Orlando. There he is. And apparently he's a minister. So <laughs> very good. Well, well I uh, mean, if something weird is going to happen, it's going to happen in Florida. That's right. We sort of have. <laughs> we have the market cornered for sure on. It's proprietary. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father Matt, um, one of the things that we want to also say is that we'll be having our first guests for our first uh, for the next full episode very soon. Uh, Ken and Justin Holcomb will join us. Super excited! We're very, very excited. We can't wait to talk to him. Uh, and so, if you're uh, thinking about tuning in next time, which you obviously shouldn't have, uh, not abandoned us because of our 
stupid story about a cat person hybrid. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to Canon Holcomb about the creeds and councils of the church. But here we go. So uh, let's start in prayer. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O God, for as much as without thee we are not able to please thee, mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with thee in the same spirit liveth and reigneth, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, Father Matt, what are our lessons for this 14th week after Pentecost? We have... Our Old Testament lesson is Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14, which deals with essentially right after Israel's been delivered from slavery in Egypt and they're out in the wilderness and they're complaining and sort of aimless and they're worshiping uh, the golden calf Mm. and God is angered and wants to destroy them and Moses intercedes. Uh, So it's Moses interceding. Uh, for the people of Israel. And our psalm is Psalm uh, 51, which perhaps needs no introduction, that famous psalm Mm -hmm. on uh, repentance uh, and the forgiveness of God. Uh, The second lesson or the the epistle is 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 17. So Paul's, beginning of Paul's first letter to his protege in the faith, if you will, uh, Timothy. And a little, we get a little bit of Paul's biography in that, which we'll mm-hmm. get to in a second. And then finally, Luke 15, 1 through 10, uh, which is uh, right in the beginning of a sermon of the lost sheep, and then the lost coin, and then finally the lost son, or the parable of the prodigal son. Right, which is in not in this lesson, but is oh, it should be understood as being in continuity. In continuity. You need that context, of right. course. Very good. Thanks, Father Matt. So... We were talking about this earlier, and we think that uh, the through line, if there is one, it's not always the case that there's a through line, but we felt pretty strongly about the fact that the through line through this is this idea of repentance. Um, It's uh, not exactly hidden in Exodus, uh, but certainly the idea that Moses would come come before God to intercede for the rest of Israel so as to change the Lord's mind over whatever destruction he was going to mete out over his people. Um, Father Matt, what do you think? One of the things that strikes me about this text is just Moses's intercession. And, you know, as we were talking a little bit before we started, is, and we're going to see this as we go through these texts, of God's desire and God's goal is to be united with his people Mm -hmm. and to save them and rescue them and redeem them. Right. And the way that God accomplishes his ends is through the faithful leadership and stewardship of human beings. So I I like to call it the psalmate principle because it begins and ends with the same verse. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name upon the earth. And... That psalm is all about the human being being crowned with this royal and priestly vocation. And the idea is that it's through the faithful rule of human beings that God's majesty is made known in all the earth. Well, what does that have to do with this text? Well, right. it has something to do with it because Moses is interceding, right? He's praying. 
And one of the ways that God accomplishes his will, and one of the ways that God uh, works through human beings is prayer. It's the means by which he accomplishes his will. So through the intercession of Moses, and we see shadows of Christ, right, as, mm-hmm. as the yeah. new Moses, that God builds his nation around. Because in this text, you know, he's got like, Moses, I'll just start over with you. Right. And then when Christ comes on the scene, basically the faithfulness of Israel is whittled down to, to one person. The faithful remnant is Jesus Christ. Right. And so we see, I think, shadows of that renewal which is to come, the renewal of Israel and the renewal ultimately of the world and God forgiving and r- relenting and responding to the yeah. intercessory prayers of his people. I mean, the whole of Exodus 32 um, is one of my favorite chapters in the scripture and definitely the Old Testament. And it's because there's so much going on in there. But I think, Father Matt, what you're saying, and I, um, it, and I agree, obviously, is that, that um, a, lot of, a lot hinges in this particular text in the chapter and, and ones besides and in the life of faith when we hear the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. And so that uh, wrath which was promised is now not so much wrath um, because uh, Moses interceded. And I love this, uh, I love this, you know, Moses says, hey, hey, God, you, you said this thing before. I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land, and I promise I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. I mean, God already knows he says that. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, God... God's memory is perfect. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, God is listening to Moses and going like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, but the fact that Moses remembers that as God's promise. Yeah, I think that's a really great point about, you know, him reminding God. He's not reminding God in the sense that God has forgotten. Oh yeah, yeah thanks yeah. Moses. But that teaches us again something about prayer of we should be praying the scriptures. We pray the Psalms and we, we humbly remind God right. of his, of his word, God. Right. And it's a way of professing our, our trust and our faith in him. And, and that's, I think the most powerful way that we can pray is, yeah. is to use uh, his own word, not wielding it as some sort of manipulative wand, Right, but it's not some appealing. kind of talisman like or magic or ma- set of magic words or incantation. No, you know. Uh, but as God's sons and daughters, just coming before Him humbly and saying, "God, this is what you said you were going to do." Sort of a "How long, O Lord? We know yeah. you're going to do it, but God, do it now. Show yeah. yourself to be faithful in this in this moment." We know that you're faithful because you've told us. Um, and then, oh, it turns out that he is. Yes. Yeah. And so taking that through line through um, this portion of Psalm 51, you know, so many of us are, uh, are, are mindful of, of Psalm 51 uh, and its use during uh, Holy Week, during, um, during Ash Wednesday, things like that. Some priests, when they're doing the lavabo and washing their hands before right. the canon of the Mass, will... We'll pray, verse 11, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I mean, an incredible psalm. I don't see Psalm 51 as a downer. When no, you pray yeah. the whole thing, yeah. 
I'm just always in awe of the grace and forgiveness of God. Yeah, well, when verse 10, right before that one you've cited, it says, um, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. That's the work of God in the face of our sinfulness is when we come to him looking for his help and his forgiveness, that's what he means to do. In fact, we see that. Uh, we see that especially in this uh, this reading from First Timothy. Um, I mean, we take what we read from the Psalter uh, in poetry and watch it be borne out in the life of a man named Paul as he seeks to exhort his, his, uh, his student, brother, fellow minister, Timothy. Yeah, why don't we just read this? It's only a few verses. Yeah, sure. This is 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. I am grateful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. Strike three. (laughs) But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm. A lot of scholars that I've read talk about, you know, this saying is as worthy of acceptance. You know that that there's these these uh, slogans that are used and uh, thrown around the church, the early church, um, almost as if they're first lines of psalms, first lines of hymns, so that they help people to recall a certain teaching and some stuff like that. And I love that Paul says this saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. Everybody should be saying this thing right here: that Christ Jesus came into the world to, to save sinners. And I love that in the Anglican tradition, uh, especially in the in the right one of the uh, of the um, American prayer book, and obviously from the 1928 prayer book. But uh, those comfortable words, you know, where we recite, we actually use that to say like this is a saying. Uh, we say the whole thing uh, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We say that Sunday after Sunday, and every time we celebrate in in our tradition. Um, in our tradition, a right one mass, because it's that that awareness of we all start in our way as blasphemers and in our unbelief, as persecutors sometimes, maybe even men of violence, those of us who have uh, converted to the faith, and even those who are in the faith and yet still convert uh, even more. Yeah, and it reminds us of God's goal. Right. Growing up, at times, I would struggle with this complex that God was out to get me and out to destroy me, that God would love nothing more than just to throw me body and soul yeah. into the lake of fire. And, you know, laboring under that complex was very difficult. Yeah. And I remember I, I had a friend in college, and he said to me one time when I was really struggling with the spiritual anxiety, if you will, mm-hmm. he said, Matt... If God's goal is retribution, why the cross? Yeah, wow. Like, what's the point of the cross? What's that friend doing now? (laughs) He is a pastor in the Hampton Roads area. Bless him. That's awesome. (laughs) So that was a really helpful thing for me, really 
uh, changed my life in a lot of ways. And I've actually never told him that. We weren't like super good friends. You know, we were kind of friends of friends, yeah. but that really stuck with me and said, yeah, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Right. Right? Well, yeah. He I mean, wants like, to I, rescue I, and redeem us. I we're think... his lost sheep. I, yeah. Well, there's the segue. <laughs> the lead in. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's, I mean, I think all of us at some point, or most of us, I know for me personally, we do operate under that that idea that, um, what is God about? God's about wrath. Like, God's ready to punch us in the mouth. God's ready to throw us in the lake of, lake of fire. God wants to do bad things to us. Like, that's what, that's kind of how we, how we relate to him so many times, whether that's we're thinking through that or the way that, or even maybe sometimes we implicitly act. Um, and... Really, that's kind of messed up, right? Because that's actually what more like what we're like, right? Or more like what I'm like, anyway. Uh, is that you know we're we're ready to be vengeful. We're ready to visit um, wrath on folks that wrong us. That's what we're like. And instead of looking to what we find in Exodus, you know, as a result of intercession and his and his good favor and his his, his faithfulness. And indeed, what Christ has done for Paul and therefore the church and Jesus Christ. Yeah, we get this idea that um, God wants to, you know, light us on fire all the time for all the bad stuff that we do. Instead of remembering that his purposes have been completely shown forth and resolved in Christ Jesus. And it's plain as day when we pay attention. Which I've ruined your segue, sorry. That's good. (laughs) Now to actually transition, right? <laughs> he left the 99 mm-hmm. to seek after the one. And mining through the fathers a little bit on this text, because, you know, we're looking at in the beginning of Luke 15, again, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And then later in the text is uh, the parable of the lost son. Uh, looking through the fathers and seeing that this is all connected and, and sort of the spiritual interpretation as creation, the fullness of rational creation being the 100 sheep, and that God went after the lost one, uh, which was humanity. Mm. He left the 99, that is the heavenly host. This is really him talking about the incarnation, right? right? right, right and, his, yeah. and his condescension into human flesh for our, our salvation. And that Christ loves us and is seeking us and looking for us. And then another interesting thing I saw, this was in the Fathers, this is Ambrose of Milan, of this thread through the three parables, that the man or the shepherd in verse 4 it represents Christ, that the woman in verse 8 with the parable of the lost coin represents the church, and that the father, of course, and the prodigal son represents God the Father. Right. And he's, he wrote this of this text, Christ carries the sinner right? The sheep, the church seeks and intercedes and the father receives. Yeah. So oh. just always read the father. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Not, I, not too much. Cause sometimes I read them and I, I want to quit preaching. Right. I'm like, I don't think I should ever say anything <laughs> well, ever again. They, they've said it. Let me just get up and read Augustine's sermon. Maybe I, there was a Pentecost <laughs> I preached where I looked at Chrysostom's sermon was like, um, well, not doing not that. doing that <laughs> well not yeah because he's right. dunking from the foul line yeah. you know I, I can do it i can do a layup yeah i but, can't yeah you know what's great about this particular passage from luke is that um for those of us who have had to preach over the past few weeks uh, luke 14 is um a set of very tough teachings from christ um 
you know, where where we hear things like, you know, he who does not hate literally everybody in his life <laughs> and does not uh, uh, basically abandon them to come be with me or give up their possessions. And um, he that, who cannot dunk from the foul line yeah. is not worthy <laughs> not of worthy. being on my team. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very high standards. High standards. Earlier. So we hear those those words that oh, like we we struggle with them. And and again, uh, as our friend uh, on, on my text kind of me- like mentioned, even as preachers, we we um, we struggle with those teachings of Christ to make them come alive to our people and even uh, to find what purchase they have in our own hearts. But here we have something that I think we can really draw our our people into to to note that. In both of these, and then of course in the parable of the lost son, um, that when the thing is found between sheep or coin, the result is rejoicing in heaven, or excuse me, is rejoicing. And then the way that Jesus uh, pulls that into the spiritual life is to say, when we repent, when one person repents, it is the greatest joy in heaven, a joy that is, uh, that you know, surely if we were to hear it, it would be deafening because of its grandeur and the, the party time happening in the celestial realm uh, and the heavenly realities. That's what repentance does in heaven. Were it not that we could party so hard when we know that somebody in our lives has repented uh, f- away from sin and towards God um, so that uh, we were able to ourselves participate more fully in the life of heaven, um, something to be praying about, thinking about, reflecting on this week. And may our repentance, may, may all of our repentance uh, be acceptable to Christ as we know it will be. And, uh, and may our conversion continue uh, through the prayers uh, and through our sorrowful <laughs> look inside so as to receive the joy of Christ and our forgiveness. All right, there's your sermon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's ready. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this lesser feast. This mini-sode. Well, we, and more than that, we hope that you've been edified by it and encouraged. And it's given you something to, to think about. Or to think about other things, perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we look forward to uh, having Ken and Justin Holcomb with us uh, in our next podcast. And we hope that you will join us again. Uh, blessings. Blessings. Bye. <laughs> We're still. We're still here, are you? <laughs>